Welcome, everyone. This is the Best of the Left podcast, but what I have for you today is a special, just a little sampling. We do bonus material for our members, and I gotta be honest, I am really proud of those episodes. I, I think we've kind of been killing it over there. I know I'm biased, but that's how I feel, and so I wanted to share with you what you've been missing out on if you're not a member of the show. So this is an extended clip featuring myself and Amanda, who you've heard doing our activism segments, but also our two researchers, Dion and Aaron, who are brilliant in their own right. And it didn't take me all that long to realize that their talents were being wasted, not having them come on and at least chime in during the bonus show because they've got all kinds of fascinating and thoughtful takes, as you shall hear. And this is just a bit of the conversation we had on the topic of the return of the mass shooting events to America that really makes us feel like we're getting back to normal in this age of COVID. I thought the framing of getting back to normal kind of sparked something in me thinking about like just what normal means in America and with, with the gun violence, the mass shootings, obviously, but the framing of the crisis on the border, we just did an immigration episode, but all the news shows this Sunday talked about the crisis on the border. Not one time talking about what the crisis actually is. It's a refugee crisis. It's a crisis of capitalism destroying the homes and lives of these people where they live, like as if they would want to travel a thousand miles on foot if they had any other thing to do with their life. If like the gun violence is just, it was so normal that we didn't even talk about last year that gun deaths were higher than they've ever been. That's just a normal part of American life. And the two candidates that ran, one wanted to make America great again, and one wanted to make sure that nothing fundamentally changed. Are we just okay with that? Is that where we're at as a country? And it kind of ties into the nostalgia thing. Like, we're just stuck. This is normal. This is fine. We'll do the cycle. We'll talk about the people that died in Atlanta. We'll talk about the people that died in Boulder, sort of. They're just kind of numbers. We'll talk more about the people that killed them. That seems to be a part of our normal conversation. We discuss the killers more than the people that died, their families, the wake of tragedy that's left behind in these things. But we'll do it the... Republicans will get up and say Second Amendment. Democrats will say, when is this enough? And then we'll do it again next week, probably. And how long can we deal with this kind of normal? It's it's really starting to weigh on me personally. I think about it a lot. I had the thought, and, and Jay will have to remind me, I, I can't remember if it was, I think I had, it, I had this thought to myself and didn't say it out loud. Wow, isn't it interesting that we haven't had a mass shooting in a while? <laughs> and then boom, we had two in a week. And, and you're right, Dion, I knew suicides were up and I knew domestic violence incidents were up, but I, I didn't know that like the tallies showed such a dramatic increase in the last year because yeah, no, no one's really talking about it that way. They're talking about it like isolated, like we need to talk about domestic violence, but we're not talking about it in the broader scope of gun violence. I, I think... I'm not sure, you know, that I've drawn any conclusions since having the country do what it always does so well, um, tragedy after tragedy. 
but I think what we do lose, and and even when we watch this clip, which was which Jay played, which was from Serlina, unfortunately, nothing in that clip talked about root causes. It talks about reducing guns, the numbers of guns in the country, and and that is important. And it talked about background checks, and it talked about you know putting up barriers and uh, license and trainings and all these things but we really aren't talking about root causes and I'm kind of getting tired and maybe it's after four years of Trump. I'm getting really, really, really tired of talking about things in silos. I'm just really done with it. I I don't want to talk about mass shootings without talking about violence against women because so many times these shooters have a record of domestic abuse or stalking or some other wild thing that involves women. And I don't want to talk about mass shootings without talking about racism. We just can't do that. <laughs> and there's just all these issues that are, and I don't want to talk about gun violence without talking about mental health. I don't want to talk about it without talking about toxic masculinity, which was addressed in the, in that clip. But I will be happy when, if Congress passes some background check legislation, sure, I'll be glad that it's there, but that is not going to stop us from being a country of constant mass casualty events. And I don't know what the answer is or how we have this conversation in a more effectual way, but I'm tired of talking about it as this, like, let's reduce the numbers and that will fix everything. No, it won't. We have a toxic, sick culture. And that is part of the driving force. The fact that we have access to guns is is definitely like so much easy access to guns is a major problem, but we have a toxic culture problem. And that I believe is part of the root cause. And, I, you know, it's a massive, massive undertaking, but then that's why it kind of makes me feel disheartened because I don't know. I don't know how we get where we need to be. What gives me hope and what really brings light to these things is watching a bunch of white men tell us what the problem is not. Um, So (laughs) uh, we can take safety in knowing that Tucker Carlson will tell us that guns aren't the problem, right? Let's talk about all these other things that really aren't supported by any kind of data or factual information, but just a lot of thoughts and feelings because, you know, as much as women get deemed the emotional type, all I hear are very emotional men talking about how they don't want their (laughs) playthings taken away. And Mm -hmm. honestly, again, with data, we know what guns are used for. We understand that one of the biggest personal uses for a gun ends up being death by suicide. It's very morbid, but that's the reality of it. We know secondary, it's accidental shootings. So not even on purpose, they're just accidents within the household that end up setting them off. We understand that in domestic violence situations, if there's a gun, even if it's owned by the woman in the house, it is more likely to be used on her than to protect her. So like we all understand these things, but what messaging needs to happen so that we can change the conversation? And like, it's so dishonest. I can't even listening to like the reporting that's going on right now because it is just so dishonest. (laughs) And I mean, I, I could go on so many different side rants on this one conversation. We could talk about how they don't want to address that it is men. We can talk about power dichotomies. We can talk about the deeper underlying issues, but it is men that are perpetuating 99% of this violence. And in a lot of cases, it's against women. You know, the Atlanta shooting, people don't want to talk about racism, but they don't want to talk about sexism either. 
We also don't want to talk about labor exploitation, which is exactly what happened in those scenarios when you have women who are working at a massage parlor that also have to sleep there because they can't afford an apartment elsewhere. So I know what people don't want to talk about, but what can we finally address? What can we actually agree on? Because again, with this dishonesty, like it is just, it's so frustrating. I, I don't even know how you have a honest conversation about it because there's so many detractors. There are so many dishonest people who are leading the charge. When you look at headlines of something that it just happened, you know, we're not sure what the circumstances are. We're not sure what the motives are. And yet they're already calling it. This individual in Boulder happens to be someone who was a Syrian refugee. So automatically they're making claims that there's a terrorist group ties when no evidence has come out about that. Everything that is being reported upon looks like there's some underlying mental illness that occurred. There's some other factors that played into this, but they want to automatically say, you know, that's terrorism. But the white guy in Atlanta, that was a bad day. Just a bad day. I'm, st- I'm um, still nothing. <laughs> reeling from that press conference. I Look, I know white supremacy is alive and well. Like, don't get me wrong. <laughs> it does stun me when they just say it. When they just come right out and say it. Because it, it makes me think of clips I've seen from like the 50s. You know, politicians who could say those things out loud. But saying that this guy had a bad day. Are you fucking kidding me? For the audience, I'm actually in Atlanta. I'm very familiar with Cherokee County, which is where this originated out of and then traveled into Atlanta, into a little bit of a Southern County. Very familiar with the demographics. I'm also in mental health. So I know that layering as well. And that when you look at the reporting that's going on around here, nobody's connecting this with his religion, even though it is so blatantly connected to his religion, to his ideology. I mean, didn't he say it like in his statement? Didn't he say like, I'm religious and I'm being tempted? Wasn't that part of his? And I would say that, but you know, nobody's doing, so I shouldn't say nobody, because as we talked about, The Intercept had a really good piece out about this, connecting it directly to the religion. But just a little statement like that doesn't even give weight to how in the religious ideology he was. Mm -hmm. And that one, no acknowledgement that sex addiction, it's a self-reported thing. There's no factual standards that like make you then have a sex addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's no diagnosis. It's self-reported. Most of these religious people who feel that shame, that feel that they're living in that sin, they actually watch and participate far less than the population. But because of that internalized feelings, because of the religion dogma, they end up having those stark feelings that, I don't know, give way to horrific events like this. And, you know, no matter what people say, he did things for a reason. Long didn't die by suicide. He didn't take his own life. He outwardly exploded this anger, this sin that he was living in, and he perpetuated it onto the most vulnerable of our population. And I don't think the conversation really gives weight to that. Again, it's he had a bad day, not that he took internalized anger and then made it everybody else's problem. The normal aspect of this too, is that you're still talking about him as much as, as, as we are about the victims as a society. It it seems like we can see what our priorities are every day. And as a society, it is definitely not caring about each other. As much as we talk about caring for children, it's definitely not caring for children. I saw someone 
you know, the typical dodge is like, now is not the time. We can't politicize this, you know, blah, 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 blah. Well, okay. How about we talk about Sandy Hook today? Today is a good time. Let's talk about Sandy Hook. We decided after Sandy Hook that children can be murdered in the middle of the day in school in a place we all decide is safe for children. And we would rather have our, as you described them, Aaron, toys, our playthings, than keep children safe. Even if it's whatever mental illness or terrorism or what, whatever we want to blame, we cannot restrict guns because people have to have them for some reason. And I think we could deal with that. Someone could, you know, if, if Joe Biden wanted to, if Congress decided, hey, let's get rid of guns. That doesn't deal with the underlying issue. Why did we want them so much in the first place? Why do we need them so much in the first place? What, what is this obsession with, they're not like tools, they're weapons of war to kill as many people as possible. I haven't really talked about this, but I bought a couple guns this summer because I thought maybe, maybe I should have guns. I've got a shotgun and I've got a handgun and I hadn't been into a gun store. I don't know. I don't know if I'd ever been into a gun store and I, I didn't even know what guns were available. But when I went in there, I was blown away with what you can get. You can just get anything that a Navy SEAL or, or some trained killer can get to kill as many people as possible. And they're not used to kill deer because yeah. they're not for killing deer. Like they're pretty small caliber weapons that bounce around inside you and destroy everything inside you. So if you were going to hunt a deer with it, it wouldn't do any good for you. You want a high powered rifle that goes in and goes out. You can do that with one shot because that's what you're supposed to do. So all the other bullshit about this is self-defense. It's not self-defense. If you have 30 people coming to your house to attack you, sure. If that ever happens to you, I don't even, it's in John Wick. That's what it's in. It's not real. <laughs> so we've got this imaginary, fake, hateful, angry culture. And when we talk about these stories, the way we talk about them in, in the media, we never address like, like you were saying, Amanda, the underlying causes. And how do we get to that point? When are we going to get to that point? Because it doesn't seem like as a society, we're willing to even address the fact that maybe America isn't, never was, and might not ever get to be great because we have so many issues that just never get addressed. They get painted over like we do with road work. We have potholes and you fill them up and they don't deal with the structure that caused the pothole. And then two years later, you're dealing with the same pothole. That's every problem in America right now. And it's exhausting. It's so exhausting. I think you made a good point about we're choosing what we want to be and who we want to be. We're making a choice. We're saying, yeah, yeah, it's totally worth the risk of having an entire kindergarten class slaughtered because we want the toys. So we're making that choice. We're also making the choice that children should live in poverty because God forbid we have social services that help people. You know, I mean, like we're, we're making choices every damn day. And I think, you know, AOC maybe is the one who talks about it the most, who says that 
millionaires and billionaires and people living in poverty is a policy choice. Let's not fool ourselves. Like we could fix these things, but we have chosen not to. Do we do ourselves a disservice by framing the conversation the way we are because it reflects the political reality, but doesn't reflect the actual sentiment in the country accurately? We talk about how we as a country decided to not do anything about Sandy Hook, which is true, but only politically, only because of the particularly terrible way that the Republican Party is functioning based on money and politics and other factors and the mechanism of the Senate. That's why we didn't do anything. And so when we talk about all of these issues and accurately describe the politics, but frame it as we as the country made this decision, I I wonder if we are either making ourselves feel worse than we should, or we're missing an opportunity to constantly remind everyone that depending on which specific issue uh, and policy proposal you're discussing, you end up with 60, 70, 80, or 90% approval to change the way we do things, but we can't get it done because our political system is broken. And, And I, because the political system is so broken, it's not that if we just believe hard enough, then they'll change the way they vote. You know, I'm not thinking along those lines, but it might change the way we think about it or that we would be less depressed at the state of the American mind and keep our depression focused where it belongs on the political system. I I, I don't know. To add to that, it's also psychology. When you look at the shift in psychology that it's actually utilized to perpetuate these mythologies within various political groups, I think as individuals, we like to see ourselves as impervious. Like we are not susceptible. That is it for today's little sampling of this week's bonus episode, but there is so much more you're missing out on. We also discussed the dangerous toxicity of overindulging in nostalgia. Uh, Dave from Olympia called in and explained how the threat of cannibalism disproves slippery slope arguments. We discuss why lefties are also buying guns now, not just those on the right. We touched on the history of our violent culture, the culture wars, and explained how to survive the future. All of that in one bonus episode that came out this week. We do two of these a month, give or take. And uh, as I said, I I think we've been killing it. We've been doing a really good job with these. And you just heard a sampling, so you can hear the rest of that in one of two ways. You can sign up to become a member and support all of our production work, all the big shows, all of our activism, all the bonus content, all the research time it takes to make the show as good as it possibly can be. All of that happens with the support of members. There's no getting around it. We couldn't possibly do it with just ad money. So you could sign up as a member to help support all of that. And then you get all of our bonus content or because we do sort of fundamentally hate the idea of paywalls and wish we didn't have to use them, but we live under capitalism too. And that's the nature of the beast. We don't keep anything behind the paywall entirely. If you're unable to become a member 
You can simply request a financial hardship membership. You don't have to explain yourself. You just say you want it, and I will get you set up. So to sign up for your own membership, visit bestofleft.com slash support, or to request a hardship membership, simply email me to j at bestofleft.com. Thanks for listening, and we will be back with a big show soon. Mm-hmm.